0: Good morning and welcome to Alger Assembly of God. Thanks so much for joining with us here today and thank you for worshiping with us in person. Uh, This is the conclusion of our Men of Action series. And so we we had our May series in honor of Mother's Day. We had women of faith, and we examined uh, different biblical women throughout the scriptures and the faith that they put into practice, faith that was put into action. And then here in June, in honor of Father's Day, we've been looking at some men of God's word, men of action. Now, certainly we know that men are men of faith and that women can be women of action as well. Uh, but those just kind of a, an opportunity here in our series to look at some of these different individuals. So we've looked at this month, we've looked at David and Noah. And then last week for Father's Day, uh, we looked at Paul's description of Timothy and Epaphroditus in Philippians as they were some of the men that we would do well to model our lives, af- uh, lives after. Today I want to invite you to turn with me to a very, very familiar Bible passage. It's Daniel chapter 6. So that kind of gives you a clue as to who the individual might be. Daniel chapter 6, we're looking at Daniel. And this particular story, it's one of those, and some of these women's stories, as well as some of these men's stories. These are biblical accounts that many of you have heard for years. In fact, this is a classic flannel graph story. This is Daniel and the lion's den, Daniel chapter 6. So as you're turning there, let me ask you, this is your chance to yell it out loud, uh, get yourself on our video, and get yourself uh, posted here. What do you know, what do you remember about Daniel and the lion's den? Somebody just shout it out. Lot, there we go. That's a good place to start. Daniel and the lion's den includes lions. It also includes Daniel. So there we go. We've got Daniel, we've got lions. What else do you remember about this biblical account? Praying, I heard praying. Friend of the king. Well, what else? Shout out what you remember. Ain't. Yeah, they were trying to frame Daniel. All right, so now we're, we're, getting, we're getting somewhere. We've got Daniel and lions, people trying to frame Daniel, angels. There's a lot of stuff packed in here. Somebody else, what, what else do you remember real quick? A man that did not go against God. So a man of action did not go against God. So we're going to be taking a look. This is the classic flannel graph story. You would see, you know, you'd see a man, you'd see uh, lions up there on the flannel graph, and and of course the lions are not eating Daniel. Uh, that, that's spoiler alert. Uh, they did not eat Daniel. Uh, there's there's no bloody Daniel flannel graph uh, character. So that that's good news for the boys and girls. Uh, that we're, we're taught about that. So jump into Daniel chapter 6 and verse 1, and uh, it says, it pleased Darius, this is the king, to appoint 120 satraps, uh, rulers here, to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. So Daniel's put into a place of leadership and authority by the king. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. So there's a a great host of leaders that are placed underneath the leadership and authority of Daniel. Now, verse 3, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to send him over the entire kingdom. Hold it right there. So here is Daniel, a godly man of God, who is being raised up in this government, raised up in leadership with many other leaders, secondary leaders underneath him, and he had distinguished himself with the exceptional qualities. He was going to be elevated even further over the entire kingdom. So when that happens, how many of you know somebody else isn't going to be so happy? Right? Verse 4, at this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. Exactly what was, was talked about. People were trying to frame Daniel. Right on. So here's one of the actions from Daniel that you and I can learn for today, and that's this. We can expect adversity. Aren't you glad you came to church today? You came to church for some good news, and the good news is you're going to face some bad stuff. Can I get an amen? amen. No, oh, there we go. Leonard's, Leonard's not leaving me hanging today. That's not generally something that we amen about, right? Well, praise God, I get to go through hardships, trials, and difficulties. Pastor says we can expect adversity. Does being a Christian mean that you and I live an easy, carefree life? We wish that it would. We wish that when we give our life to Christ, we never, ever encounter a difficulty or a hardship. But we can't guarantee that, that that's not going to be the case, right? In fact, sooner or later, if we choose to serve God, if we choose to live for God... Troubles and hardships and difficulties, they're going to come our way. Jesus, in John 16, said, In this world you will have trouble. It's not just pastor saying that. He's saying it because Jesus said it. You're going to have trouble. James said in chapter 1, verse 2, Count it joy when you face trials of many kinds. So get your joyful face. Everybody show the person next to you what your joyful face looks like. Now, remind the person, when difficulty and struggles and hardship and trials come, remember that face you made? James says, consider it joy, even when we face trials. And James says, when? We know this. James did not say, if you face, he said, when? It's a definite occurrence. You will definitely have hardships. You will definitely have trials. You will definitely face difficulties. And then he said, trials. How many of you are glad he put the S on there and made it plural? Not just a trial, but trials of many kinds. Thanks, James. Thank you, Jesus. They're all saying we're going to have hardships. As we see from Daniel... We can expect adversity. We can expect difficulty. We can expect hardship. Now, some of you right now, you could, though you might not amen the fact that you want it, you can probably amen the fact that you've experienced it. Because chances are probably good you face difficulties. Physically, maybe you've, you've been through some hardships and some difficulties, and it seems like you just get one situation figured out and the next thing hits. Or or maybe it's financially. You you just kind of get through one difficulty and one trial, one challenge, and something else hits. Physical, financial, relational. I mean, you name it, you and I, we've faced difficulties. So we can expect adversity. We can even expect opposition. Man, you, you were right on, Lily. They were trying to frame him. This is opposition from some people who were not desiring Daniel to have this success. It'd be great if everybody would honor the decision that you and I would have to choose to live for God. Now, with some people, maybe, maybe that is, uh, you know, they, they have a sense of honor and, and they esteem you when you choose to follow and serve God. But maybe you've seen or maybe you've experienced that when you seek to try to honor God and please God and live for God, sometimes people don't get very happy. And in fact, sometimes they, they form some opposition to or against you. So even though the, the fact that we expect or should expect adversity, it doesn't seem like good news, I got good news for you. If, or should I say when, we face adversity and hardship and difficulty and struggle and trials. The good news is you're not alone. Others are facing that. And we've been, we've been warned, if you would. We've been encouraged to look out for that. And this particular biblical story of Daniel, as a man of God who God was elevating in the sight of all of these in leadership and in government he was facing adversity, he was facing opposition, and the challenge is let's not shrink back even when we have adversity or opposition, but continue to live for God. So the first action is understand we are to expect adversity. It's it's easy to be faithful when things are easy. Easy street, right? Right? But when there's adversity, when there's opposition, when people are coming against you because of the stand that you take for God, continue to take that stand. Continue to live for him. Secondly, in addition to expecting adversity, expecting opposition, Daniel shows us we need to do the right thing. Do the right thing. It says they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. He was not corrupt nor negligent. So he wasn't a dirty politician and he wasn't negligent. He got the job done and got it done well and got it done right. I mean, they they couldn't point to anything at him. Finally, verse 5, these men said, We'll never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. How incredible is that? The only thing somebody can pick at you about is your faithfulness to God. Wouldn't that be an awesome thing to be picked on for? your integrity your character the qualities of your life are so godly so honorable there is nothing that they can find to 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 tear you down about the only thing they can tear you down about is that boy you love your God so much we're gonna find and use that against you he was doing the right thing honoring and obeying and living for God this integrity, the, the service that he had, as it was said, the quality so distinguished himself that he was about to be set over the whole kingdom. One of the things, since they could not find the instance of corruption or negligence, the only way was to use his love for God against him. Uh, verse 4 reads like this in the message. The message is more of a modern paraphrase uh, that Pastor Eugene Peterson had written. So it's a a very modern reading of this verse, and it, it goes like this. The vice regents and governors got together to find some old scandal or skeleton in Daniel's life that they could use against him, but they couldn't dig up anything. Wouldn't that be a miracle today? I mean, when you hear these words, scandal skeleton, and they could not dig up anything. I mean, your mind and my mind goes to all kinds of things, right? Politics, uh, famous people, singers and musicians and artists, anybody who's anybody has had their past dug into. And particularly in today's day and age when it comes to social media, if you have a Facebook account, if you have a Twitter account, whatever, they will dig into something that you typed about or tweeted about or wrote about years ago and then they'll they'll bring it up against you. So anything you've ever said or done or places you've ever gone or video of you of doing uh, you doing something not so good. Everybody's got cell phones nowadays, right? So you mess up and you yell at somebody, you whatever, you do something wrong, Someone's going to find it and someone's going to post it or someone's going to let somebody know. Scandal. Skeleton. Think about yourself. Are there any any scandals about you? Are there any skeletons in your closet? Are Are there things that maybe you wished you had never said or that you had never done that you hope nobody goes back into your past and finds out about? Chances are good you might say yes. Maybe that's before you came to know Christ or, or maybe even since you've come to know Christ. We're not perfect. But it seemed like there was nothing that they could find. They, they couldn't dig up anything. Well, Daniel follows God mostly, but boy, I I think he cheats over here. I think he's stealing from the king over there. There was nothing that they could find against Daniel. He was doing the right thing, honoring God, faithfully serving God, consistently doing the right thing. If people dig into your past, if people dig into my past, what will they find? Will they find someone who sort of kind of does the right thing, but tries to to keep certain things hidden? Or are we honestly and sincerely obeying and serving and faithfully doing the right thing before God? Now, the testimony to Daniel's character is that these opponents, they knew the plan would work. I mean, think about this. Can sinful, evil, oppositional people... Count on you to be so faithful to God that that's their plan. The plan is not that you're crooked. The plan is not that you're going to you know, steal money from work. The plan is not that you're going to lie, cheat, and steal. The plan is he's going to be so faithful to God, he's going to bring himself down. Can you be counted on to do the right thing for God no matter what? He was consistently doing the right thing. So here's what the opponents did. They go to the king, and they're going to put this plan in place. We, don't, we can't find anything. There's no skeletons to dig up about him. There's, there's no scandals. There's nothing he's said or done that we can point to that we can tear him down to the king. So they come to the king, and they butter him up, and they get him to enact a, a rule, a law, a decree that says nobody can pray to anyone or anything other than the king for 30 days. You can't, you can't pray to anyone. You can't pray to anything only to the king. Oh, and let's, let's make a really good penalty. If you're caught breaking this law, breaking this decree, we're going to throw you into the den of lions. Now, does that seem a little harsh? That if someone were to pray to someone other than the king, they would basically be killed, thrown to the lions. That's what the opposition did. So what we see is Daniel, so far, he leads us to know we're going to expect adversity. We're going to expect opposition. But we've got to continue to faithfully obey, faithfully do the right thing. But number three, we must live without compromise. Live without compromise. When the enemies went to the king, convinced him to make this law, make this decree, and if anyone breaks it, he would be thrown into the den of lions. It was put into writing. It could not be repealed. So the the king can't change his mind. Once he makes the law, it's got to stay. So here's Daniel, faithful to God, faithful to serve, faithful to live, And now he hears this law, this decree is put in place. What's he going to do? Well, by his actions that we see, we'll check out verse 10, we're encouraged to live without compromise. Verse 10, now when Daniel heard that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. In other words, Daniel lived with no compromise. Now, I don't know about you, but if there would be a time that you might consider, that you might think about, then it might enter your mind, should I compromise a little bit when it comes to this? It might be here. If the penalty for praying to God is being thrown into the lion's den, would you honestly give it a a second thought? Daniel could have answered this, uh, this challenge in a number of ways, right? He could have went to his house and prayed not in front of the windows. I mean, he could have prayed just not like he did before. Now it said that the open uh, the windows open towards Jerusalem, but probably not the same kinds of windows. Might might just have been an, an opening in the wall there, the, the window. But couldn't he have found a different place in the house to pray, where he couldn't be seen? What if he were to pray at night when nobody could see through the window? What if he were to uh, what if he were to pray silently? How many of you love praying out loud in front of everybody else? There's no hands raised. That's good. I might have called you up here to pray. We're not always thrilled about verbal, out loud praying in front of people. So what if he would have done the opposite? What if he would have just prayed silently in his heart and mind to God? He could have continued praying, but then maybe they wouldn't have known. All kinds of things he could have or chose to have done... But he did so without compromise. It says that he did everything as he had done before. Zero compromise. He went, he prayed in front of the windows. And in fact, it says he prayed three times a day he got down on his knees. Sometimes the the challenge for us, if we pray three times a day, it means that we had three meals today. Pray for our breakfast, pray for a lunch, pray for a dinner, maybe pray for a snack. Daniel wasn't just praying about meals. He was connecting and praying and seeking God faithfully on his knees in front of the window. There was no compromise about Daniel. The challenge is, what would he do now when we see what he would do? Ask yourself, if you were Daniel, how would you respond? Now, we, we'd like to think we would be just like Daniel. I would still do what he did. I would pray 3 times a day and I'd pray in front of my window and and whatever the consequences would be if it's being thrown to the lions so be it because I'm faithful. But there might be there might be a little hesitancy perhaps if if you're being honest we might hesitate. We might maybe seek to compromise a little bit. Find you know find a way to still honor God but hope to not get in trouble. With Daniel there was no compromise. I faithfully served God before the decree. And I'm going to do everything as I did before. So the challenge is, is there room in our life, is there room in our schedule to connect and to honor God? Or, or, or do we kind of compromise and kind of squeeze him out of our day because other things are filling the importance of our day? Now, the good news is we don't have a law that says you can't pray to God. And then if you do, you'll get thrown into the lion's den. We've got freedom to worship and freedom to pray and freedom to seek seek God. So in the midst of our freedom, what do you, what do I choose to do? Do we seek to faithfully pray and seek God and live without compromise? It, It wasn't just a Sunday praying Daniel. It was three times a day praying Daniel. It wasn't just pray when it was panic or emergency or difficulty or hardship or opposition. It was day in and day out, three times a day no matter what. I'm faithfully walking with, I'm faithfully connecting with my God. I'm faithfully growing in Him. He didn't wait until the crisis came to pray. He just faithfully and regularly prayed and lived his life without compromise. And we can We can do so living our life without compromise in in the words we speak as well as in the actions of our life. Daniel's life matched his lips. His walk matched his talk. He lived without compromise. He did the right thing faithfully even though he expected adversity. We end with a fourth action from Daniel. Daniel. The fourth thing for you and I to remember is this. We must remember God's presence. Remember God's presence. So these, these opponents, they, they got the king to put the decree into place. If you pray to anyone or anything else other than the king, you'll be thrown into the lion's den. We just read verse 10. Daniel prayed. He did everything as before. So guess what? The opponents, they, they come up to the king and said, um, Hey, king, didn't you, didn't you, king, you made the decree. Uh, they nudged him and, in a sense, directed him to make it. But they reminded him, didn't you make a decree that nobody can pray to anyone other than you? Well, yeah, I did. Well, guess what? We caught someone praying To God instead of you. Oh, well, who's that? Daniel. The the king loved Daniel. The the king had high regards and respect for Daniel. Probably didn't see the the sneak attack from these opponents coming. And they reminded him, here's what the law says. Here's what your decree said. He's got to be thrown into the den of lions. So the king needed to submit and follow the decree he himself had done. So, verse 16, we read this. The king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. And you can see by the king's response here that he's conflicted. It says, the king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. The king who made the decree, the king who's throwing him into the lion's den... That's the king who says, I hope your God, the God you've continued to pray, the God you've continued to serve, I hope he rescues you. So he threw him in, and we know the story from flannel graph and beyond. The lions did not touch. He was unharmed, and when they got him out of the, uh, of the den, they found he was safe and sound. Verse 20 When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, it's that same phrase again, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They've not hurt me because I was innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done anything wrong before you. So the whole way through, the king's saying, I trust that your God, whom you serve, is faithful and will deliver you. And then he asks him, has your God, whom you serve, faithfully delivered you? And and Daniel says, yes. My God, through his angel, his presence was with me and rescued me from the the lion's den. The angel controlled the lions, kept, kept Daniel company, I mean... Your your mind, if you've got that active imagination, can you imagine what that night would have been like? How many of you want to find out? How many of you, you're you're ready to go to the Columbus Zoo? Go to the Fort Wayne Zoo. Go go and, you know, kind of sneak into the lion's den. Probably wouldn't go so well, right? But we've seen some different people over the years that have done that. Can you imagine spending an entire night in the den of lions? Just kind of hanging out, you know. Maybe one of them became his pillow. You know, I kind of envision it like, um, like our dog Shadow, who 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 lays with you or kind of lays next to you. This this little dog. This this would be like a, a what a thousand pound lap dog or something like that. These lions just you know laying up against you. Uh, maybe the the tail kind of swatting flies away from you. Maybe the, the fluffy mane of one kind of being his pillow. I mean, you just visualize it. We don't have, you know, biblical account of that. But if you let your mind go and imagine what that could be. You can imagine just what might have happened here with these lions. And yet it was God's presence. He said, my God sent his angel. God's presence was with me even in the den of lions. We find the scripture in Matthew 28, 20, you probably know the scripture, maybe you haven't memorized, where Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God and his presence are with us. The good news is, you and I probably don't face lion's dens. At least, I haven't. If you have, we can talk afterwards. I'd be intrigued by it. But I would would venture to say every single one of us, as we mentioned before, we faced hardships, difficulties, struggles, challenges. And in the midst of every single one of those, physical, financial, relational, spiritual, whatever that might be, they might not be literal lions, but we feel as if we're under attack. Remember that God is with you. Remember his power. Remember his presence. I mean, you look through so many of these scriptural accounts. You start thinking about uh, flannel graph stories, and, and we look at Daniel and the lion's Then How about Shadrach, Matt, uh, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace? Right? The three were thrown in, and yet the king said, there's a fourth like to the Son of God. God was with them even in the midst of the fiery furnace remember that God's presence remember that he is with you now we say okay God's with me so he's just gonna he's gonna make everything perfect because he's he's gonna answer my prayers exactly how I want when I want but that doesn't always happen either does it sometimes God's timing's a little bit different and we say I thought you were with me God why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? We trust in him. Sometimes that deliverance is walking with us through adversity rather than removing it from us. Now we'd much rather have the removal. We would much rather that the, you know, the lions would be removed from the equation that we don't even have to face them. We would much rather that that physical or financial hardship would be removed from our life and not even have to face it or seek it. Sometimes God walks with us right in the midst of that difficulty. That's what the psalmist said in Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Remember his presence. Remember that he's with you. You're facing difficulties financially. He is with you. Remember his presence. You're facing hardships Financially, physically, relationally, God is with you. And the king recognized that. What happened afterward is he then issued a decree. After this decree had been finished, he issued a decree that everybody was to fear and reverence the God of Daniel. And as we saw many times, he refers to Daniel as the servant of God, God whom you serve continually. This God that you serve, he seems to be with you. His presence is with you. His angel was with you. You and I are not alone. We go through struggles and hardships. That's comforting. That's encouraged to to be remembered. We're not alone. He is with us. So what does our life say to those that are around us? Daniel, this, this man of action, he communicated some of these truths to the king all these other leaders and administrators and the leadership individuals, it was speaking loud and clear. It was encouraging us to remember we are to expect adversity. It's not that we want it, it's that it's going to come. We're encouraged to do the right thing. Honor and trust and seek and obey God no matter what. We're encouraged to live without compromise. It's so easy to be challenged or tempted to compromise in areas because if someone does not want to serve God, well, then maybe, maybe I won't live for God completely. I'll just live for God half-heartedly. We're encouraged to live without compromise. And we're encouraged to remember God's presence.